You're listening to the Keith to the City podcast. Voices rising like a church choir. All right, New York Giants football is almost back. We are within days of week one, the Giants heading to Dallas for week one of the 2019 season. And joining me today to talk Giants football is Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Ed, how's it going today? Good, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, We've done this in the past, but it's been a while, and and it really feels like it's been a while since the last meaningful Giants game. And with the way the last couple seasons have started off, the meaningful games haven't really lasted much longer than the World Series. But hopefully things change this year. They're headed to Dallas for week one. Um, The terrible news about them coming to the terms of the contract with Ezekiel Elliott will sure um, you know, change things up, rile the Giants up a little bit. But let's start there, you know, before we get into an overview of the entire season with week one coming up, how do you feel about the Giants at their current state entering Dallas for the first game of the season? Well, it's really interesting, Neil. We've been talking about the Giants and everybody looked at, oh, their off season was this and that and all the, you know, get, Dave Gettleman was questioned so much. And yet the Giants have felt all along through the spring and the summer like they've gotten better, like the roster's deeper, you know, and and that just being in in Pat Shermer's system for a second year will help them. And what Shermer said today is we keep talking about improvement. He said, well, now the rubber meets the road and, and we have to show that. I do think that this team is potentially better but I also think that it's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. This team is still want a good draft, a good free agency, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road from really being a top-tier contending team. But I do think potentially that they're better than they were a year ago. Yeah, I certainly hope they are because uh, with the way the last two seasons started out, certainly it would be good if they at least got off to somewhat of a meaningful start to keep you, uh, you know, actually motivated and keep you entertained for the beginning portion of the season. And I, I do enjoy what you said there about how this team's changed, the culture's changed. Um, so many of the big names, the superstars like Beckham or, or Vernon um, or even Eli Apple or Snacks are all gone. And now we have this young core of this team still sound, surrounded by Eli Manning. And that's going to be the storyline all season is when is Eli Manning's last game going to be? Does he get the full season? Does he get half a season? And it's unfortunate because week to week, unless the Giants win, whether it's this week or next week or the week after, after every single loss, they're going to be calling for Daniel Jones to start. Exactly. That's how it's going to go with Eli Manning. That's where we are. And it's it's unfortunate for Eli. My take on Eli Manning has always been that I recognize that that there are better quarterbacks in the NFL, that there have always been better quarterbacks in the NFL, but that over the past few years, the way I have always put it is the Giants franchise, the decision-making, the kinds of players they've put around Eli 
the Giants as an organization have let Eli Manning down far more than he's ever let them down. And what I wonder is even as they start to show signs of improvement, it might be too late for Eli. It just might be. I mean, as you said, every single time the Giants lose a game, every single time he throws an interception or has a bad game, there's going to be calls in the, you know, from the fan base on social media, you know, with writers and, and Pat Shermer's going to be asked about it. But that's just where we are because we don't really know what the Giants are going to become until we know what Daniel Jones becomes. Yeah, I enjoy your point of view on Eli because I'm in the same boat as you. I'm an, you know, an Eli apologist. I, I feel like I've spent his entire career defending him more than I should have to defend any two-time Super Bowl MVP uh, because there's so many critics and so many detractors out there. But I think eventually when the Giants and Giants fans look back at his career and, and for those who you know got to enjoy the two Super Bowl wins but have also been heavily critical of him, um, you know, there's no guarantee that Daniel Jones is going to work out. There's no t- guarantee that the next guy or the guy after that or the guy after that will work out. And you look at so many franchises around the team that spend years and even decades trying to find their franchise quarterback. Um, it's one of those be careful what you wish for things because uh, I think, you know, in, in hindsight down the road, people are going to really regret regret uh, the way they treated Eli Manning on his way out. I think you're 100% right there, Neil. I think that if you looked at it when Eli Manning came to the Giants in 2004 and said, oh, he'll have a 15-year career, he'll be a top 10 passer in NFL history, and he'll win two Super Bowls along the way, you would have signed up for that. Everybody would have signed up for that. I think what what no one wanted to see happen is what happened the last five or six years. And as I said, I, I recognize that during the, the last five or six years, that period after the Giants won the 2011 Super Bowl, there have been times when Eli hasn't been great. I've always said there were better quarterbacks than Eli, that he was, you know, he's never been a top three or four kind of a guy. But if you put good players around him, He's always been able to make it work. He's always been able to make plays when it mattered. And and I I will always say that I as I said earlier, I think the franchise has let Eli Manning down far more than he's let them down. But it, we're at that point where and I don't know whether it's going to come in week 4 or week 5 or week 13. Sooner or later the Giants have to turn the page. Daniel Jones isn't going to sit forever. And it's very uh, ironic that he's most likely going to go out the way he came in, where he's replaced midseason. Um, you know, back in 2004, the Giants were a winning team, and they had a chance at the postseason, and the Giants still, you know, pulled the plug on Kurt Warner and went with Eli for the future. I don't necessarily know that we're going to have that same fortune this year where the Giants are headed for the postseason. I really hope they are. Uh, but you look at it, it's sort of an impossible decision of, of to know when the move is going to be made. But what's your gut feeling tell you timeline-wise when we'll see Daniel Jones? Well, I look at it this way. You know, we, we were fortunate enough over the, the course of training camp, we got to talk to Kurt Warner a little bit. And I Kurt Warner made a good point that I happen to agree with. He was in his first year with the Giants when he came to New York in 2004, and he knew what the deal was. He was there to be a placeholder. He was there to build his resume for his next job. He knew that he wasn't 
any sort of a long-term fixture in New York. Tom Coughlin and the Giants had no allegiance to Kurt Warner. The situation is much, much different with Eli Manning. If the Giants are 5-4, and four, Eli Manning's not getting yanked from the lineup. Eli Manning is going to be given, the way that I see it, Eli Manning is going to be given, and he absolutely deserves the opportunity to see if he can take this team to the playoffs. If they're in the playoff hunt, he's going to be the quarterback. That is just, I I can't see how it's going to go any other way. But if they go 0-3, 0-4, 1-6, 0-6, if they're terrible at the start of the season, then it makes no sense for Eli to continue to play. But I think you have to let it play out, give it a full opportunity to see if he can take this team to the playoffs one last time. He's done too much for this franchise for him not to be given that that opportunity you know, one last time. You look at Daniel Jones, and if he has the career that Eli Manning has had, everyone would sign up for that right now. Like you mentioned earlier, the amount of years he's played, the durability of the two Super Bowls. Um, sure, there was plenty of seasons where this team could have gone to the playoffs and possibly gone on another championship run, but they collapsed down in the second half stretch. But this has been a remarkable career for Eli. We'd all like to see Jones have the same exact career. But when you go back to the draft, Daniel Jones going to a spot that many felt like if you're going to pick a quarterback there, then there was no reason to bring back Eli Manning for another year. Are you on board with the way Gettleman has sort of handled this, where not only did he bring back Eli in his high salary, but then he also wasted a pick on a quarterback? Uh, how did you take it, and how do you feel now that the move is five, six months in? Oh, I think it was absolutely fine, to be honest with you, Neil, because if you didn't, it, it, you know, they took Jones with the number six overall pick. And if you didn't have Eli Manning, you were going to bring in a veteran placeholder. You were going to bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick. You were going to bring in a Josh McCown. You were going to bring in one of these, you know, one of these types of guys. And you already have Eli Manning sitting there under contract who you're going to owe, you know, a decent amount of money to. And I know there was a point when the giants could have saved a little bit of money against the salary cap by cutting him. But I think the benefit of learning from a guy like Eli Manning for a year, no matter how much he plays in 2019, just learning how to be a pro learning, you know, how he approaches things You were going to have a veteran quarterback there anyway, so why not? Could you really have done better, you know, than Eli Manning? If you, you know, if you're looking for a guy like that, I mean, we're talking about the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world, like I said. So, uh, I I don't have a problem with this approach at all. I mean, I know that it's going to be a whole week to week, you know, when are you going to let Daniel Jones play kind of thing, and that really can't be helped. But I have no problem with with having both of these guys on the roster. You're someone who's around training camp. You're around this team right from the get-go. You've seen Daniel Jones. We've all seen him on TV in the preseason. Um, What's your initial take on him? Granted, preseason isn't regular season, and we're still a ways away, hopefully, from him getting into the regular season. But what's your initial impression of him? Well, the way that I want to put it is that there's no doubt in my mind that 
the NFL, that New York, that the media, that everything that comes with it, none of this is too big for him. I don't know what we should or shouldn't make of his preseason performance. Obviously, it wasn't with starters most of the time. It wasn't against starting teams. It was encouraging from an on-field perspective to see him make some throws, some of the deeper sideline stuff and a, and a couple of the of the vertical throws. It was encouraging to see him make some throws that the scouting report told you you know, that, that scouts weren't sure he could make. So that was encouraging. His success was encouraging for me. What I take away is just in watching him handle his, his business during press conferences in watching him, you know, just around the, the practice field a little bit, he's comfortable. He looks like an NFL quarterback. He sounds like an NFL quarterback. This isn't too big for him. And, I come away optimistic that the kid is going to have a good future as an NFL player. Well, the offense is once again going to go through Saquon Barkley. Uh, They've made it clear. Pat Shermer's made it clear. It was clear last year. Um, Do you worry about him getting, you know, overused, overworked, and and worn down? I I mean, they don't really have many other options aside from, you know, Sterling Shepard and and the cast of wide receivers receivers that they hope someone emerges from with Golden Tate suspended. But does it worry you that Barkley's future becomes in doubt because he's the only true weapon outside of Shepard and really Evan Ingram on the team? Well, I don't know about overused in terms of in terms of touches, in terms of snaps played, and, and all of those kinds of things. I think that what I worry about is that you're building a franchise around a running back, and the, it's it's one of those deals where the shelf life of running backs when they're at the the top of their game is shorter than it is, you know, at, at other positions. So what I worry about is, isn't necessarily the, the number of carries that, and all of that. I just wonder about the long-term window as the giants build this thing, you know, as they build this team, as we learn, you know, whether or not Daniel Jones, you know, can be, a quarterback that can lead the Giants to the playoffs and and can be, you know, that sort of top-tier franchise guy. I just worry about how long the window is regardless of how many times Barkley actually touches the ball. Yeah, I agree and I think it's also um, you know, it worries me that they're building around a running back in the league where they've you know, drastically changed every rule to promote um, the passing game and to make the passing game easier than it's ever been. Does that worry you that the Giants are sort of building their team around the way you might have built a team 10 years ago? Well, not necessarily because I see Barkley as more than a running back. Yes, his position is technically running back, but he's he's more like a, he's a weapon because he can do so many things in the passing game. And I think even though he caught, I think it was 91 passes a year ago, I don't think the Giants used him perhaps as well as they could have in the passing game because a lot of that came on on little dump-offs, little check-downs, little passes that really didn't get them a whole lot of yardage or really didn't get them you know, first downs and and. What I would like to see or what I really want to see is how his growth 
comes in in how he gets used in this passing game. It's a little bit. I don't have a problem necessarily with with running the football. I know some of the analytics will tell you that running is not as efficient as throwing. I I tend to think that if you're putting the hand the ball in the hands of of your best player as often as possible, I think that's pretty efficient. That's a good point. And you you look at the the defense of this team and the last couple of years of Tom Coughlin's uh, tenure, um, the 2017 season, last season, really outside of 2016, this team's played poorly in one possession games down the stretch. Have let so many leads slip away late in the fourth quarter. What have they done, if anything, to make sure that doesn't happen this season? You know, what do you see different from this defense from last season that when the Giants are up by you know four points with two minutes and 30 seconds to go that they're not going to automatically give up a touchdown and lose again? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> really. Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me put it this way. This is a different defense. This is a young defense. It's an unproven defense. The phrase that that James Betcher, the defensive coordinator, has used is that a lot of these guys have to build their NFL resumes. They have young players, Lorenzo Carter, Dexter Lawrence, DeAndre Baker. Jabril Peppers is still a young player in his third year. So we don't know what to expect from this Giants defense, and and that's kind of scary. I mean, it's exciting. (laughs) It's exciting on one hand because – there's some young talent there, but it's also scary because can can all of these young players learn what the NFL is and 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 become the players that the Giants think they can become? You know, obviously, you know, not every young player hits and reaches his potential. So we'll have to see. But it, it it's interesting with this defense because it is vastly different. Than uh, than it was a year ago, and and basically, you know, having anyone not named Curtis Riley playing free safety is probably a good thing. <laughs> From a coaching standpoint, Pat Shermer, a rocky first year with the Giants. His uh, you know post game sessions, his, his sports radio uh, interviews weren't exactly stellar. The team wasn't very good. He had some questionable clock management and in game decisions, uh, but. As a, as a first, as not as first year coach overall, but a first year with a new team, um, I guess some of those bumps in the road are to be expected. I, I hope that he, you know, improves greatly in year two, even if the, even if the roster doesn't suggest that the Giants will be much better than they were last year. But, um, is there anything noticeably different about Shermer this year from his first season with the Giants? Other than the, uh, the stubbly white Santa Claus <laughs> kind of growth that he, that he had on his face through much of the preseason. I'm not sure that he's changed all that much. I happen to, I like Pat Shermer. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good football coach. He is not exactly smooth when it comes to standing in front of the media and expressing what it is that he wants to say. And, and he bristles at some of the questions a little bit. And sometimes I don't blame him because he'll get asked the same question day after day after day by the same reporter, just phrased differently. And, and I'm, you know, and it gets, honestly, it gets tiresome to listen to the question sometimes. I can't imagine how much, how tiresome it actually is to answer the question, but, but I, 
I don't know where this is leading with Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman, you know, in charge of the Giants, but I I think that what you have to do here is have a little bit of patience. The Giants, they spent their first year, you know, sort of they don't like to use the word rebuilding, but they tore things down. They that that's basically what they're doing. They tore things down. They ripped out everything they didn't think that was working. They've begun to put in the kind of players, the kind of system, the kind of culture that they really want. And we're not going to know whether all of this is going to work and whether it's going to be, you know, whether they're going to get the Giants back on the road to being, you know, a consistent contending football team until we know what happens with Daniel Jones. And I honestly think that's going to take a couple of years. So I really think that Shermer. You know, Shermer should really be given those couple of years to see where he can take this. And and then I think we, we get a couple of years down the road. We know what Daniel Jones is. And then maybe we, we look at it and say, is Shermer the right coach or is he not the right coach? A few weeks ago, John Mara was asked at uh, training camp about what he would determine to be a successful season this year, and he sort of tiptoed around the question because obviously he doesn't want to give himself something he has to answer four months from now about whether or not that success came true. For you, what is a successful season? Is it is it winning more games than last year? Is it contending all the way till December for a playoff berth? Is it actually making the playoffs? What do you think is is a step in the right direction as for the Giants, you know, both as a team and and for you as a fan? Well, you know, that is just like it was for John Mara, just like it was for Dave Gettleman and and like it is for for Pat Shermer. It's kind of a tricky question for me. Because there's so many different ways to judge it. Now, if you're if you're in the scenario that Eli Manning is your week one starter and you give him an entire season, if he starts all 16 games, it's a successful season if the Giants make the playoffs. If he starts all 16 games and they don't make the playoffs... <laughs> Then even if they come down to week 16 and they're in the race and they don't make it, because then what you come down to is another season where you didn't make the playoffs and you also didn't get a look at or get experience for your future franchise quarterback. It can also be looked at as a successful season. Suppose the Giants win five or six games. And yet you get eight to 10 games of experience for Daniel Jones. You find out that Dexter Lawrence is a pretty good player, that DeAndre Baker is a pretty good player. Will Hernandez takes a step forward in his second year. You know, some of these younger players look like they can be part of the, the future core, you know, as this team goes forward. If you get eight to 10 starts eight to 10 games of experience for Daniel Jones. And he looks like a competent quarterback with a future, a guy that could really develop into something. Then do the wins and losses really matter? I, so it's hard for me to say you have to, you have to win X number of games. It just, there's, there's a lot of different ways to define it. 
aside from the different intricacies of it becoming a successful season, how do you view this season actually unfolding? What do you think uh, the Giants' win total is around six and, and, and from various sports books? But how do you see them uh, finishing this year? I honestly look at them as probably being in that that seven and nine, eight and eight, sort of maybe nine and seven sort of purgatory. Yeah. And, and and the tricky the tricky part of all of that, if that's what they are, if they're not, you know, clearly a playoff contender or clearly bad, that leaves them in the Daniel Jones, Eli Manning sort of what do we do here purgatory where as we started the show talking about it's going to be a week to week thing and it's going to be, you know, when do you pull the plug? Do we pull the plug the last two or three weeks when we're pretty sure we're not going to make it or when we get eliminated? So it that's the storyline of the year is 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 how that plays out. But I think the Giants are kind of in that situation where they could, you know, they, they could be in that tricky sort of purgatory coming down to the end of the year trying to figure out whether they're actually in the in the race or not. All right, Ed, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time to talk Giants football. Uh, it's an exciting time, both as a you know a rebuilding uh, time and also ushering out the great career of Eli Manning. Thanks again for coming on, and we'll have to check in and do it again soon. Anytime.